Welcome to the Expansion Candidate Podcast, where we talk all things Big 12 football. I'm your host, Ian Boyd. This week, I'm joined by Jamie Plunkett and Melissa Treeblosser, who are the co-managers of Frogs of War, the SB Nation's TCU website. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. So I figured it's overdue to talk about TCU. There are maybe a few more um, big-time frontrunners to win the Big 12 this year, but TCU is one of the more difficult to peg down for this coming season, I think. Uh, a lot of preseason magazines and prognosticators have made a big show of how many returning starters TCU has coming back, uh, how much returning production they have coming back. And uh, Gary Patterson even spoke to that. and He said, you know, on the positive side, we've got however many starters coming back. On the negative side, we have all these starters coming back from a 6-6 six and six football team. Mm-hmm. What do you guys make of that in terms of outlook for this coming year? Well, I think the the biggest question mark for most TCU fans is is going to be quarterback, just like it was last year with Kenny Hill. You know, I think there is some concern about depth at a couple of positions on defense as well. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we all, as fans, generally tend to expect a lot from young players when some kids just need more time to develop. Uh, so if you look at some of the upperclassmen coming into this upcoming season, you know, Patterson has spoken pretty highly of some kids that uh, hopefully will be able to make a better impact than they did last year. I think that, um, you know, uh, you've also got some young talent coming in from the 2017 recruiting class that's already making waves, guys like Jalen Rager, who I'm sure we'll talk more about in a little bit. Um, but really, this this whole thing depends on on Kenny Hill, in my opinion. And so if, if Kenny Hill is playing well and, and keeping the mistakes to a minimum, then you're going to see a much improved TCU football team. And I would definitely echo what Jamie said and, and then add in, too, that you know, Gary Patterson's calling card pre-Big 12 was his ability to develop uh, athletes into football players and to really develop uh, you know, one and two stars and, and turn them into four and five stars and NFL players by the time they graduate. And like Jamie said, that just takes time. Uh, TCU is set up to have all of the things that they need to be successful this year and that they have a veteran quarterback, they have a veteran offensive line, uh, a really veteran secondary and, and linebacking unit in the defense too. But at the end of the day, it is those same players. And so have they taken that next step? Have they taken that leap over the course of the offseason in order to to turn a six and seven season into, you know, maybe a, an eight or nine or, or potentially a 10 win team? Uh, the talent is there. It's it's a little thin at spots, as, as Jamie alluded to, especially on the defensive line. Uh, but at the end of the day, if the talent performed as expected and, and Kenny Hill can take that next step that, that he needs to take in order to be a successful Big 12 QB, uh, then then the tools are there for TCU to have a really good to, to great season potentially. I've always been kind of impressed and sometimes shocked by the way Pat Patterson develops guys. I remember um, in 2015, Texas was coming off of a win and they looked like they might be able to give TCU a game. And TCU had just had a game where they started, uh, I think it was like the first time they, they rolled Traven Howard out there at linebacker. They had like just taught him the position. Um, they had some guy named Michael Downing at safety <laughs> that you guys probably remember. And I was like, oh man, they just got to try to isolate this Downing kid all day and, and then they're just going to feast. And then by the time uh, the next Saturday rolled around, Patterson had already had got Howard up to speed on how to play linebacker. He had a some new guy in at safety. I think they had Isahaku in at safety and he was killing it. And then TCU won the game. I, I don't remember the score, but it was something like 55 to seven or something absurd on that level. Since you guys mentioned Kenny Hill, it's, I feel like I see two possible 
paths for this TCU season, and one is w- one in which Kenny Hill has made major strides, and uh, he leads y'all to a competitive season. And then the other one is one where he just flames out early, and they say screw it and throw Sean Robinson in. Um, do y'all have a similar feel, or do you think it's less likely that Robinson plays? What do y'all think? I mean, I think it's highly likely that Robinson plays at some point this season. Um, whether the offensive keys are turned over to him completely would be where I have questions. Um, from all accounts, and you know, we heard a lot of this last year too, but it seems that Kenny Hill has put in the work he needs to put in. He's taken it a little bit more seriously. Uh, and the guy wants to play in the league, and he's realized this is his last opportunity to put the kind of film together that will make somebody want to draft him. And so he's been putting in more of that offseason work. Um, you know, he's had a really great fall camp, but he had a really great fall camp a year ago too. So uh, it's, it's hard for me to say, yeah, Kenny's got it together. He's going to have a great year, or uh, he's going to completely flame out and be, you know, very, very average as he was a season ago. Um, but I know that with Sean Robinson behind him and he's pushing him in a way that, you know, Grayson Milstein and Foster Sawyer just weren't able to do a year ago. So if Kenny is going to perform to the, the level that his talent is capable of, that he's got all the pieces he needs to do it this year. Um, but, you know, we've, we've seen inconsistent. The only thing he's consistent about is his inconsistency. And so it's really hard to predict that, that this is going to be the year that he gets it all together. Uh, I do think we will see Sean Robinson on the field this fall. Um, having Justin Rogers kind of coming down the pipe makes it a lot easier to burn his red shirt anyways. So uh, he's going to start the season as number two. And, and I think he will take snaps away from Kenny Hill at some point. I just don't know if, if he's going to be the guy by the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you make, Melissa. Is, is there are a lot of question marks about his longevity if you know he starts to reveal that some of those inconsistencies in his game are still there? I will say though that this season, just this off season, is building up a lot like it did the year that Matt Jokel transferred in from Texas A and M, where you had Trevon Boykin, who was going to be under center, um, you know, for the first, you know, second season in a row, and the season before he had been. Terribly unimpressive, uh, very inconsistent in the passing game. His legs were really his best feature uh, as a quarterback. Um, and then you had Matt Jokel come in, who provided a little bit of competition at the quarterback position, who um, you know was a student of the game, was a great passer, um, and he came in, and what he did was he was able to push Travon to that next level that he needed to be at, to where he could be um, you know, an elite quarterback at, at the collegiate level. Uh, and so we all know now, you know, what happened in 2014 and 2015 with Boykin is he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country for two years. Um, you also had the change in offensive coordinator that season. Uh, and so there are a lot of similarities this year where you have a young kid now, not a, not a senior like uh, Jokel was, but you have a young kid who, you know, has um, a ton of potential and some really good talent. He's he's a dual threat quarterback and he has a lot of ability. I mean, he showed that just in the spring by jumping up to the second, uh, to the uh, second string on the depth chart already. Um, and you have, you know, not a totally new face, but you have Sonny Cumbie, who's now the offensive coordinator and he's going to be calling plays. And so he's going to probably add a couple of things and do a, a few things differently uh, from Doug Meacham last season and, and the couple of seasons prior. Um, so you have this confluence of events very similar to the beginning of the 2014 season where, um, you know, things are falling in place for Kenny Hill uh, to succeed. And by all accounts, out of the fall, yeah, he has been uh, having a really good fall camp so far. Um, now it's about translating that in, into into Saturday performances. So Cumbie was the quarterback coach for Boykin, molded him. Um mm-hmm. 
he's been he was the point man on the Sean Robinson recruitment, and now also Justin Rogers. It seems to me that the direction Cumbie wants to take this offense in is to feature the quarterback run game a whole lot more than maybe say Meacham wanted. Uh, have y'all had any insights onto um, if there was a sort of philosophic struggle there or if Cumbie won out, if this is really Cumbie's influence, is this something Patterson prefers? What, what do y'all think? What have y'all, what have y'all heard well, about this? In, the, there was definitely, you know, it was pretty well known at the end of last season that Meacham and Cumbie were butting heads on a couple of different things as far as play calling and play, uh, player personnel packages that they were using at different different times of, of different games. Um, they just they they fell off of the same page. Um, and so at the end of last year, you know, Patterson really had a decision to make to who, which one did he want to keep because you knew that one of them was going to go. Uh, and he put all of his eggs in Sonny Cumbie's basket. You know, he uh, he and he said this publicly. He encouraged Meacham uh, to find somewhere else because he didn't want to lose Sonny Cumbie. Uh, and so, you know, I think, um, you know, while we can debate the the philosophical differences between Meacham and Cumbie, uh, you know, I think that there was a great need for um, a more balanced offense last year. Uh, Kyle Hicks is one of the best running backs in the Big 12, and he was vastly underutilized. Uh, Kenny Hill definitely has some mobility that was also um, relatively underutilized unless he was scrambling. And so I wouldn't be shocked if you saw a lot more running from TCU's offense this year. That being said, though, it is still you know a spread offense. It is going to be very pass-heavy, um, but I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if... Um, Cumbie did add the run back into it. And another note on that, too, is TCU's running backs coach, Curtis Looper, has been promoted as well to co-offensive coordinator. So, you know, his voice has been in the room for a while now. With the title bump, maybe that voice gets a little bit louder and, and they start to run the ball more as well. Well, I think, too, that, that you have to take into account, you know, I think for a lot of TCU fans, we were a little bit burned out by Doug Meacham at the end and some of the play calls. Um, it's going to yeah. take me years to get over, you know, calling a double reverse on third and one against Oklahoma at a pivotal moment that, you know, predictably mm-hmm. lost like six yards. Um, and it didn't necessarily cost TCU the game, but it certainly cost them the momentum. And, you know, Meacham is, is an incredible play caller. He's an incredible talent, but he's stubborn, as most people who are really, really successful at their job tend to be. And when he had Trayvon Boykin and Josh Doxson, uh, guys that, that were generational type of talents, you could be stubborn because those guys could make things happen. But Kenny Hill is not to the level of Trayvon Boykin as a playmaker and, and mm-hmm. they're you know, we didn't have guys that could catch the ball a year ago, let alone have a Josh Doxson. So um, I, I think the po- it's a positive change. You know, it, it's hopefully it's it's an impactful change um, because some of the play calling down the stretch in games last year was was questionable, to say the least. Um, that being said, you know, asking Sunny Cumbie to come in and work a miracle is probably asking too much. If he just gives the ball to, to Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson and Shewo Olanoluiu. Uh, I got I to figure out how to say that. Olanolua. It's going to be it's, we're going to be hearing it a lot more of feeling so I need to I need to learn how to say it but um you know I think that's really the key is, is can Kyle Hicks get the ball more often this mm-hmm. year and, and will Sonny come be be willing to put square pegs in square holes or is he going to try to force things in that just aren't working yeah and and another point to that too Melissa is from 2015 to 2016 when Boykin and Aaron Green left you know you lost that um, aspect of the offense that was capable of running the option, because prior to Meacham and Cumby coming in, you know they had uh, oh gosh, who was it? The, uh, I don't, I've blocked their names from my memory. The, the previous offensive coordinators, but it was a, it was a pretty option heavy offense, and so Boykin and Green were capable of running that. 
Uh, and that's something that was still an aspect of the offense when Meacham and Cumbie took over, but they didn't have to practice it because it's not philosophically aligned with something that Meacham and Cumbie typically have, you know, involved in their offenses. And so that was a, another aspect of the offense that was lost because they didn't have the personnel that was capable of running it anymore once Boykin and Aaron Green graduated. Um, and they weren't going to waste time or not waste, but they weren't going to spend time practicing that when they could be doing other things like, you know, practicing the double option. So or the double reverse. It's, they seem well set up to be a team that focuses more on the run game. They have Hicks, uh, Hill, and Robinson can both run. Should be no fears about running Hill with Robinson behind him. And then there's still one of those uh, more passing-oriented guys still on campus, isn't there? Foster or Mulestein or any of those guys still around? Mulestein is still on campus. Foster transferred um, to Tyler Junior College, is that where he went? Uh, no, Foster went to SFA. Brendan Wooten right. went to Tyler Junior College. That's right. So okay. it's Sean Robinson, Grayson Muelstein, uh, Jordan Kitna is behind Muelstein probably, um, and then a pair of walk-ons. Kitna's yeah. gone. It's um. Oh, Kitna's uh, gone. What's his name? Uh, where did he go? Well, at any rate, they'll probably run the quarterbacks without too much fear about depth. Um, then they also have Sean Nixon coming back, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Kevontae Turpin, who are kind of your ideal flex running backs, slot backs guys that can take a quick passes, perimeter screens, reverses, r- really easy to package those guys around a run game. Uh, but what about the offensive line? What What are the uh, impressions of this offensive line coming off last year and going coming into this next year? Well, it can't be worse. Uh, be, be hard pressed to find it be less effective um you know i think the, the line has been you know what what patterson has said and what he generally says this time of year is that he's got five guys but what he's trying to do is develop you know eight or nine um so the starting the starting line should be really really solid led by austin Schlotman, uh, who is a, a preseason all big 12 pick at center and then some really really good solid big bodies around him uh, lucas niang was a true freshman last year that that took some snaps and looked really good and limited work um, but they should have a really solid group around uh, Schlotman in the middle. The question is going to be is if there's injuries or something's not working, you know, is the depth there to try and uh, be a difference maker uh, compared to a season ago where the line was so questionable and so inconsistent, partially due to injury and, and partially due to just having young guys that weren't quite ready to make an impact at that level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Melissa's right. The depth isn't there. Um, and so if someone goes down, you know, you've got a lot of questions. So, you know, the, the good thing is, though, is that TCU hired a new offensive line coach uh, and Chris Thompson from Arizona State. So uh, that has injected a little bit of energy and, and just some new coaching techniques into that unit totally that, we're, about that we're missing. Um, and so hopefully he uh, is able to take some of these big bodies and turn them into talented linemen. Um, you know, Melissa mentioned Schlotman and Niang. You've also got Joseph Noteboom, who's a senior offensive tackle. And, you know, the expectation from him this year is to be that lockdown, you know, blindside guy. And, and so hopefully he can turn into that. Um, you know, you've got other, you know, you've got other big bodies along the line too, like Matt Pryor, who hasn't quite put it all together yet. Who's probably due as a senior, you know, you've got five senior offensive linemen this year. Um, and so the expectations I think for that starting five are, are going to be pretty high. 
And, and there's some really interesting names too. Um, the Frogs got a late signing, or not a late signing, but a late uh, commitment before signing day last year. And Quazel White out of Washington, who I think was mm-hmm. a guy that Sonny Dykes brought in, uh, who mm-hmm. has all the tools and looks like he has a chance to be a beast. I mean, he's coming in, you know, over 300 pounds already as a true freshman. Uh, so, so there's some really exciting opportunities. David Bolasomi is another guy who, who's, I mean, it's huge. So he should be an impact type player. Um, but again, until you see these guys actually put it together on the field. It, it's hard to say, but the addition of Thompson, who's also a TCU alum, um, Gary Patterson keeps finding these former TCU guys to come back and be on his staff, which is kind of cool. Um, but he should be a big difference maker for that unit, hopefully. Well, let's move over to the defensive side. Um, up until two years ago, TCU was known for being very good on defense every single year, no matter what happened, no matter who was coming in and out. Then two years ago, they slipped pretty hard for them not to the point where they were terrible but they slipped pretty hard and some of that was covered up by the fact that they still had boykin and dachshund and then last year they lose Boy- boykin and dachshund and the defense still doesn't really rebound um i've written a little bit about this i'm sure you guys have written and talked a lot about it but about this but what are your impressions of what has been going on and will it be fixed this year well i think oh go ahead Danny. Um, I think that, uh, you know, if you go unit by unit, um, you see marked improvement uh, at defensive tackle. Um, Patterson is really, really high on this linebacking core, which is something that he has not been in recent years. Uh, And you've got two corners who are coming into the season healthy. So to start, you know, the defensive tackle, you've got uh, from two seasons ago, you had one defensive tackle who was even close to 300 pounds. Now, coming into 2017, you have six. Uh, and so, you know, he saw, Patterson saw that there was a need at defensive tackle to get bigger. Uh, you know, I think everybody remembers last year how terrible TCU's run defense was, which was specifically just tragic if you're a TCU fan, knowing how good the 425 typically is at stopping the run. Um, so he, he built up, he bolts up the defensive tackles a little bit. You've got kids like Ross Blacklock. Um, uh, you know, we mentioned before we started the podcast, Corey Bethley is a true freshman has been making big waves, six to 300 pound defensive tackle, um, who TCU brought in this fall. Uh, you've Katie got Tiger. other kids. What's that? Katie Tiger. Katie yeah, T- absolutely. He was on the, uh, he was on the Katie defense that was two years ago as a junior that was considered maybe the greatest defense in Texas high school history. I'm telling you, his film is some of the most impressive film that I've seen. Uh, you know, for a high schooler, it was just his burst and his ability to just move people is incredible. So really looking forward to seeing him, uh, you know, Bethley and Blacklock both picked TCU over Texas A&M, which is a fun little school board thing. Um, and then you've got Juco transfers like Ezra Tua coming in, who's just another mammoth human being, uh, to, to plug in, in the middle there. Um, you know, at linebacker, you've got Travin Howard who, you know, in that Texas game, that was his first game at linebacker. But now we're talking about a guy who's got big 12, Honors the last two years, who's a preseason Beneric candidate, um, was like fifth in the country in tackles last year with over 115 or something like that. Um, and so he has really developed into this kind of big time linebacker. Um, and, you know, you've got other guys, too, in the secondary, um, like uh, Jeff Gladney and Julius Lewis and Ranthony Tejada all of whom either came into 2016 injured or suffered an injury in in the middle of 2016. Uh, And that really depleted the cornerback position for TCU. All of those guys are healthy now and they all come back and they're all, you know, pretty solid corners and 
when they're when they're fully healthy, especially Rantani Tejada, who's just a total beast. Um, you know, so you've got these guys that are healthy this year. You have a little bit more depth at some key positions this year. Um, there is, you know, some some shakiness at defensive end as far as depth goes. You've got a guy who's out for the season now with a shoulder injury, and you just saw uh, a redshirt freshman Isaiah Chambers transfer out because he's got some family that's sick and he needs to be closer to home. Um, who hurt know, his shoulder? Uh, it was uh, Bowen, Brandon Bowen. Yeah, Brandon Bowen. Oh yeah, um, is out for the season now. Um, and then, you know, you've got, you know, Patterson said there's some question marks about who's going to start at strong safety. Um, but there are a couple guys who are stepping up, including freshman, uh, Garrett Wallow. Um, so overall, I think that the defense is going to be pretty improved this year simply because of the depth at linebacker and the size of defensive tackle. Um, and with the health and the secondary too, I think we're going to see just overall a better TCU defense than we did a year ago. Yeah, and I think that that group really came on strong the second half of the season. Um, you know, if you watch the games, they may it's still the Big mm-hmm. Twelve, and so they might still be giving up quite a quite a few um, yards. But um, you know, at the end of the day, they were playing as a unit. They were getting healthier. They were coming together. Uh, a lot of those guys were thrown onto the field in 2015 as true freshmen or, or sophomores without a lot of snaps because of the injury list uh, that the frogs piled up that year. I mean, Jamie wrote a post on, you know, the TCU injuries at the end of the 2015 season. I'm pretty sure it was the longest post we've ever had on the site, uh, which is a ridiculous thousands stretch. of words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think that, that those snaps paid dividends, but it took until halfway through the season a year ago to actually see that play on to the success on the field. And so when you have those guys that have two years of experience coming back this season, you add in some really dynamic and athletic and big uh, uh, true freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen that are gonna, should be contributors or have a chance to contribute, uh, plus a couple really highly rated uh, corners that have come in. Um, I'm really excited about Noah Daniels as a defensive back, um, who was, a, I think, a three-star commit, but looks a lot better than that on film. And Michael Anye Mayobi is another one of those names I'm working on. Uh, you know, he's a kid out of California, too, that flipped from Cal uh, when Sonny Dykes joined. That It looks like he's going to be playing safety, but another really, really talented kid. So uh, I, I don't know that that we're going to see another, you know, shut down, uh, turn, you know, turn opponents over, you know, just tens and tens of times like we did in 2014 anytime soon uh, because the just the offensive play is so good right now in the Big 12. But I think you'll see something that looks a lot more like a Gary Patterson defense this year than we have in the last three years. How many position changes are we looking at? I, I know that they might move Ty Summers to defensive end. It seems like he might even end up starting there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen some speculation that I've poured gasoline on about Traven Howard maybe moving out to strong safety um, just because there's so much depth there and you figure normally TCU has a really good player there they've had like big time playmaking from sam carter and denzel johnson for years there mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you think that'll play a part and you think he's got any patterson has any surprises up his sleeve for how to how to get 11 killers on the field this year i mean i think that, that those are the two big ones is i would i would venture to guess that uh summers is going to be starting at defensive end on september 2nd uh, just because there's not a lot of other options and because there is enough linebacker depth to do that 
Uh, I also am kind of hedging my bets that Howard will be uh, in the defensive backfield by the time that the Arkansas game rolls around as well. Um, just because, like you said, he's one of the smartest players that, that Gary Patterson has. He's one of the most physical players that he has. Um, having a strong safety is is one of the biggest keys to that defense being successful. They can go out and read plays and read and react and make tackles and, and just kind of blow things up all around him. And, and, you know, he's certainly a guy that can do that. Uh, outside of that, I, and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't seen any big news coming out of camp that was, was too surprising. That being said, there's going to be at least one guy that, that pops up either in game one or game two that we're like, what the heck is he doing there? Because it always seems to be that way, especially when you have a little bit of depth like the Frogs seem to have this fall. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the biggest things that I think you've heard as far as position changes, you've already named, you've got Ty Summers, who's shifted down to defensive end. And yeah, there's the question mark about Travin Howard playing safety. But two of the guys that are working out at strong safety right now, um, you know, you've got LeKendrick Van Zant and Garrett Wallow, who you mentioned, Melissa. Um, LeKendrick Van Zant could very well switch to running back at some point in the near future. And Garrett Wallow, while he was a safety in high school, ideally... I think Patterson envisions him as a linebacker. So, you know, there's, I think Patterson has always kind of emphasized, especially in the secondary and at the linebacking core, speed. So you've got a bunch of guys who are really fast uh, and you can coach them into a specific position. And so that's always kind of been his defensive philosophy is get smart, fast guys in here and we can get them playing the right position. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I, I'm, I won't be surprised if anybody ends up anywhere uh, because, you know, you've got all of these wonderful defensive players in, in TCU's history, like Sam Carter, who you mentioned, Ian, who was a quarterback in high school, Jerry Hughes, who was a running back in high school, Tommy Blake, who was a running back in high school. So there's just, there's a history there of moving people around. So nothing really nothing's really going to surprise me anymore when it comes to that. All right, let's wrap things up by each of you giving me the number one thing that makes you an optimist for this coming season, the number one factor that makes you a pessimist? Ooh, I mean, the pessimist one is, is easy, is that how much faith do I have in Kenny Hill? Um, and, you know, we, we've seen those moments and flashes of absolute brilliance where you look like, man, this guy's a Heisman candidate. You know, he's always an August Heisman candidate. Um, but when push comes to shove, is he going to be the one that they can get things done, you know, under the lights when the pressure is on, when he's facing down third and long against Oklahoma or, you know, the Frogs need a long drive to come back against that Arkansas game in, in game two. Uh, I think he's got the tools to do it. I think we've seen enough to know that he hasn't, but but can he consistently go out and play 60 minutes of, of turnover-free football, make the plays that he needs to with his legs and, and trust the guys that he's thrown to to make catches too? Um, the optimist part of me is that defense. I'm really probably too excited about how good this defense is going to be this fall. Um, you know, Patterson has some personality quirks that, you know, fall in TC for 20 years now you, you kind of get used to, and he's got that little bit of a smirk about him this fall that, that kind of makes us feel like he knows he's got something potentially pretty special on that side of the ball with the size, with the depth, with the athleticism and the speed, um, you know, being able to move a guy like Summers down to the front of the line, being able to move Howard possibly to the back end of the defense and then the new faces that should be coming in to fill those spots. Uh, if this defense can be good and, and potentially be really good and Kenny Hill can be just good or can get replaced uh, by Sean Robinson, then there's a chance for the Frogs to go out and win, you know, eight, nine, maybe 10 games or more, um, which would be a, a great bounce back season. 
after really struggling a year ago. Um, and, and that would be kind of the way I'd finish it is that, you know, Gary Patterson last two times he's had a losing season. He's come back to win a, a championship, a league championship or a big bowl game. So I don't know that, that the frogs are big 12 champions this year. I, I wouldn't go out and say that by any means, but I think that, that the recipe is there to have more of the type of season we were expecting a year ago uh, than what we ended up with. And to see that, uh, that success really carry them back to, you know, a place of prominence in the conference. Yeah, I think I think Melissa nailed it. Um, you know, for me, my, my one thing that gives me great hope is exactly is exactly that is Gary Patterson's ability to motivate uh, coming off of a poor season. Uh, you know, he hasn't had uh, a, he has or I, let me rephrase that. Um, every time that he has had a losing season as TCU's head co- head coach, the following season the Frogs have had at least ten wins. So um, his ability to put a chip on people's shoulder, his ability to thrive as the underdog, those are the things that have made him such a popular head coach. Uh, is that he doesn't have you know extended slumps um, season over season. So that's the one thing that gives me hope. Again, um, you know, I know Melissa said Kenny Hill already, but that is really for I think most frog fans where the the biggest point of pessimism lies is is he going to continue to throw balls over receivers or underthrow receivers? Is he going to continue to turn the ball over? Is he going to continue to make bad decisions? Um, you know, if he doesn't do that. If he just stays within um, himself and if he does what the offense needs him to do, which is get the ball out quickly, get it out accurately, um, you know, then this team really does have the opportunity to be be pretty good. Uh, You know, I always I trust Patterson on defense. Like Melissa said, he's got that smirk about him this year. It all comes down to Kenny Hill. If he's if he's consistent, they're going to win games. If he's inconsistent, they're not going to win games. Overall, I think as long as they improve on last year, the program's trajectory is probably positive just because I think they've landed on something a little more solid with Cumby and all these dual threat quarterbacks rolling in than they had with uh, Meacham and the air raid. I, I know the air raid and, and getting Boykin up to a passable level throwing the ball was kind of what sparked things, but... Um, I think ultimately being able to run the ball with Boykin was kind of the the trump card that is more mm-hmm. likely to be consistent from year to year. So we'll see what it's like this year. They should be an interesting team. I'm sure you guys will have a lot of fun watching them. At least I hope so on your for your sake. Yes, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun if the defense is good. I'll say that yeah. much. Well, and the, and the nice thing, too, is that even if we have a rough Kenny Hill year, knowing that Sean Robinson is coming up behind him, who's just an exciting, mm-hmm. likable kid, and then, you know, with, with hopefully Justin Rogers coming in January as well, uh, even if it's a two-year drop, I think there's a lot of reason to think, like you said, that we're going to get the program back on track a lot more quickly than, than say, we would have believed otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where we can where you can find you guys online. Uh, well, you can find us both, uh, all of our writing at www.frogsworld.com, where we are the co-managing editors. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Frog Preacher, and I can't yeah. spell Melissa's last name, so. <laughs> I, I am the Coach Melissa, so you don't have to even ah. spell, which is. Hey, there you go. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on, and uh, we'll catch you later in the season, perhaps, as TCU's 2017 unfolds. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Jamie Plunkett and Melissa Trebwasser of Frogs of War. That'll be it for this week of Expansion Candidate. You can find me, Ian Boyd, on sportstreatise.com, where I've been previewing the Big 12 the last few weeks. 
or on Twitter at Ian underscore A underscore Boyd. Thanks for listening.